You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, church. I'm glad to be here this morning with you, and I'm glad that you've joined us as well in person and online. And uh, we just want to praise God together today and think much of him and lift him and exalt him high because he alone is worthy. Um, I hope you had a good Christmas and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. It is December 26th, I can't believe it, uh, which is also the last Sunday of 2021. And many people, I think, are thankful for that and want to leave last year, last year, leave it behind us. And, uh, and again, I'm looking forward to 2022 to see what God has in store for, for all of us. And I know, but as we do that, as we prepare our hearts for 2022, and as we end 2021, and again, 20, enter into 2022, I want us together to, I thought it would be appropriate to delight in God together. And delight in his goodness, delight in his character and his greatness so that we can be prepared for what's to come. We don't know what's going to, well, we didn't know what 2021 was going to hold, but we don't know what 2022 is going to hold. And uh, we need as much encouragement as we can, right? And uh, and so if you have your Bibles, please turn to um, Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139. And uh, I'm going to read that psalm to you, and then I'm going to pray, and then we will dig into that psalm together and hopefully unpack it for you here uh, this morning. Psalm 139, and this is the word of God. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You have searched out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me and the light be um, about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts, O God, How vast the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your fame, or your name rather, in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We praise God for his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can worship you in song and in prayer. And now as we open up God's word and as we think your thoughts after you this morning, as we look at your character, look at your greatness, I just pray, Lord God, that our hearts will be full of worship, full of praise, full of wonder. Because you alone are God and you alone are worthy to be praised. And Lord, just encourage our hearts, we pray. Unplug our ears this morning. Tenderize our hearts. Open our eyes to see the glory of our great God. Change us, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit. We need your help. Teach us, guide us, enable us. And Lord, be gracious here to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I know this psalm pretty much preaches itself. So it's not really hard for me to open up and unpack it for you here this morning. But as we want to do that, as we want to delight in God's word this morning, I I want, or delight in God himself, I want to begin by asking a question and to get our, the juices flowing, so to speak. Um, What do you love about God? What do you love about God? You know, feel free to yell it out if you want, but, but what do you love about his character, about who he is, about how the word tells us, what the word tells us he is? Well, we can start off by talking about the love of God, right? And we just celebrated that at Christmas. Love, uh, as one author put it, love came down at Christmas because he loves us so much that he sent his only son born of a virgin, born in a lowly manger so that he would one day die on a cross so that we would be saved from our sin, right? That's, that's the epitome of love. Not that we loved him, but he loved us, the Bible says, right? And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. We could talk endlessly about God's love, could we not? But what about his sovereignty? 
his, his sovereignty, his, his power, his greatness. Yeah, we could talk about that as, as well, that, that the fact that he is still in control, even though when our world is, is chaotic and nothing seems to be in control and everything seems to be all over the place, we know that one person is and is our God who's in control, right? We, that's what we love about him, don't we? We love that he's gracious to us every day, gracious in salvation, gracious to us every day, Right? That he he cares for us, he answers our prayer. We could go on and on and on, right? And I think it's good for us as we end 2021 and as we go into 2022, just be reminded again, delight in the greatness of God. To remind us again of the one who is certain. To be encouraged, to to have a breath, in a sense, a breath of fresh air breathed into our soul as we think God's thoughts after him. Now, that's what I want to do this morning. I think there's, there's three true, well, before we get into that, the problem that we have often, and know that I have, is that we often forget about God, don't we? We can. Or, or, or we can fail to rest. Like, remember what St. Augustine once said. He said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Right? Or as we sung last week, come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find rest in thee. Right? Israel's strength and consolation, hope of the earth, thou art, desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. And the problem is, we often don't have that joy, do we? Oftentimes, we don't rest the way we should in our God. And sometimes, we forget God, just like the Israelites were, were challenged to in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6. It says, and when the Lord brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you the, the great good cities they did not build, and when you are, when you eat and are full, take care lest you forget the Lord, because especially around this time, because there's two reasons why we often forget the Lord. And Christmas time kind of highlights it as well, doesn't it? Or highlights it, I think, most uh, as opposed to other times in the year because we are so blessed. We just celebrated Christmas yesterday, and man, I got way more than I deserved. I got way more than I should have. And uh, we're just so thankful for all the blessings that we have and, and the provision that we have, but... So often, our hearts are tempted to run after those things and find rest in our things, right? To find rest in this world somewhere and not in God alone. And we forget God. And so, again, it's good to be reminded because you'll soon find out that our stuff has a shelf life. Uh, You know, the the joy it brings has a shelf life. Yeah, it's good to have those things, but it has a shelf life, doesn't it? And then we become unhappy and become greedy, right? And want more. That never, never satisfies, does it, right? And so it's good, again, to again to take our focus off us and our things and back onto God as we enter 2022 because we want to make much of him, right? Because he alone is worthy of all praise and glory. As we've just been singing, he alone is worthy of all that. And he alone is God, and he alone deserves our worship. And so that's why, again, thinking God's thoughts after him. And of course, another way in which we forget God is that in times of uncertainty, it's, it's amazing, in times of uncertainty, when the unexpected happens in our lives, how easily we forget God, isn't it? 
I, I grew up in the church. I, as a kid, I went to Awana. And I don't know if you know anything about Awana. You, uh, it's heavy verse memorization, right? It's, it's you got, I memorized the book, every, the, the, the book we have every year and went through all of that, Sunday school and everything. Uh, but it's amazing when times of uncertainty come, how easily you forget all those verses. And we need to be reminded and reminded again. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I know we, as a country, as a world, have been in times of uncertainty. I don't know specifically what's going on in your life, maybe loss of a job or, or maybe sickness or whatever you're going through. It, it's good to be reminded again of one who is certain, the one who is on the throne, the one who alone we can rest in and find true joy in. And I want us to remind us of that here today. And I think there's, there's three truths and a response that we see here in this passage that, that will help us delight in our God here today, delight in his, in his greatness. And first of all, first truth that we learn and that we see here in the first few verses of Psalm 139 is that God knows everything about you or about us, about you, about me. God knows everything about you and about me. Um, he's, I just love what it says to you, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. And, and there's, he uses this, this figure of, of speech to, to help us understand. It's called a mirrorism, which, which is a combination of two contrasting things when I sit and when I rise to describe a whole, to get the whole understanding of everything in between. The ends and everything in between, uh, God knows. So he does that a few times here. God knows what we do. It says, oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit and rise. So even as mundane as sitting and rising, but, but, but all that we do, he knows. He sees. God knows what we think. Verse two, it says, you discern my thoughts from afar off. Do you, what do you think about people? What do you think about the person sitting next to you or in front of you? He knows all that. He knows your fantasies. He knows what you daydream about. He knows what you think of the sermon and the preacher so far. He knows all of that. He knows all your ways, it says in verse 3. How you are at work. How you are at home. With the kids, by yourself. He knows all of those things. He knows when you're trying to put a mask on on Sunday morning trying to be a little different than what you really are at home or something like that or even different from the drive over to here. He knows, he knows all that. He, he can't fool God. He knows what's going on in your heart and in your life. He knows, he knows that. He knows everything. And the question is, well, it even says here, verse four, even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, you know it all together. Just imagine that. I don't understand that all, but you know what? That's, how does that sound to you? Well, here, notice verse, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. He doesn't fully understand it here. I don't think anybody can. But how does that make you feel here this morning? Kind of uncomfortable? He knows everything. <laughs> Kind of scary, kind of overwhelming. But just, just think about it. We need to praise God for, his, of course, the, the theologians call it omniscience. He knows all things. And uh, just imagine if God did not know everything. 
That would be terrible, wouldn't it? You would be wondering, okay, I'm praying here, but does God hear me? <laughs> right? And, and you could be left wondering, okay, does God really know what I'm going through? Does God really know where I am? Does God really know what's happening? Does he really? And then we can say, well, Doug, does God really care about me? Right? It, it can lead to a whole bunch of things, right? And lead us down into the pit of despair very easily. Right? But just the fact, and I know we don't understand it all, but God knows all things. It can be a great comfort and encouragement to all of us, right? And especially what we've been through in 2021 and what we will be going through in 2022. It's a great comfort to us. The second truth that we learn here this morning is that God is, not that he knows everything about us, but that he's always with us. Now, I don't know if, or always with you, I don't know, this starts in verse six where he talks, or verse seven where he talks about that. Um, the fact that he's, I'm not sure if, if David here, as he's thinking about this, as he's praying about this, is kind of squirming in his seat or not, uh, because it says there in verse seven, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? Okay, if God knows everything, he just, I, I don't think he's squirming, yeah, it's overwhelming, he doesn't understand, but I don't think he's trying to hide from God, like we sometimes want to do. But I think he's just trying to test it out. Okay, if God knows everything, you know, he's just trying to test this out here. And the reason why God knows everything is because he is everywhere to know it, right? See how this leads into one another? He knows all things. Well, how is that possible? Because God is always with us. He's always with us. Notice, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? What he does here is that he imagines three different scenarios as to where God might be or where we could maybe hide from God or get away from God and, and be away from his presence and be away from his knowledge. The first scenario is either, either up or down. Remember, look at that, what it says in verse, in verse eight. If I ascend to heavens, the heavens, what happens? What? You are there, Right? But if I go low into the Sheol, what does it say? You're there, right? So that's the first scenario, up and down. The second one is um, east or west, or going the other direction, is if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, it says there, even there, your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Even if I go as to the uttermost parts of the earth, who in the Bible tried that? Jonah, right? How did that turn out for him? Could he run from God? No, he couldn't escape, could he? And that's what David is saying here. He, there's no way escaping God. And the third scenario is, okay, well, if I can't go up or down, I can't go east or west, huh, what's the best time to play hide and go seek? In the dark, right? In the dark. Can't really play hide and go seek during the day. It's kind of... Kind of hard to do that, right? But, but at night, and he says, well, what about at night? He says, verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the, the light be about, about me be night. But he, look what he says, verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. Isn't that amazing? 
He is always with us. He knows all things. He's always with us. Isn't that, that rather encouraging for us? I like what Hebrews 12, 5 to 6 says. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because isn't it so often that if we lack something, that we tend to doubt God right away and doubt that he's with us? So the book of Hebrews here helps us with that. He says, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Look at what confidence the fact that God is with us, always with us, instills in the author of Hebrews. And it could instill in you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. The fact that he's always with us. Isn't that a great encouragement? He is there with us. So we learned, what have we learned today? That God knows all things about us, right? We've learned that that he is always with us. That's how he knows all things. That's one of the ways he knows all things is that he is with us, wherever we are. Even in the darkness, he's there with us. We can't hide from him. We can't escape God. How does that, how does that make you feel? It's kind of, kind of heavy, isn't it? I know it's December 26, and I, I'm sorry I'm making you think these big thoughts about God and stuff. I know some of us are tired and how does this make you feel? Well, for some, it might be uncomfortable. Uncomfort. It might be, might be a little heavy here this morning, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But these are great truths we must think about God. This is the God that we serve. He alone, again, is worthy. So we need to praise him for his omniscience, for his omnipresence. Praise him for his character. May that be an encouragement for, for all of us. The third truth that we, we learn here in the text uh, begins at verse 13 and that the fact that God made us and has planned our lives. That's a powerful one. He gets deeper and deeper here in this as he's worshiping. He's going further and further. And theologians call this the omnipotence of God. Just look at these verses here. First of all, the fact that he made us. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, I know we have science that tells us kind of everything that goes on, kind of in birth and stuff. But science is really describing what God is doing. And describing God and his creation, right? And here we see him. Yeah, David knows that there's probably more going on than, than, you know, he can describe the facts about it, but he's saying here, you formed my inward parts. You made me. And notice, I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows that well. My frame was not hidden from you. Even when you were born, even when you are Put together in your mother's womb. He knew all about it. He knew what was happening. He's there with you. It's, it, it's kind of amazing, isn't it, to think about these things this morning. 
When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, notice verse 16. You saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. Now that's one of the most profound verses in all of the Bible. As he thinks about God, as he thinks about his sovereignty, as he thinks about his omnipotence, just think about that. What the psalmist is saying is that God has planned all the activities of his life even before he was born. Even before he was worthy to have maybe good days or all good days or, or even, even before he was born. That's how sovereign he is. We don't, we don't understand it necessarily fully. And, and of course, he will say that in verse 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts, O God. If I could count them, they would be more than the sand. Okay, so of course, we're not going to figure out all the sand, although we know about God here this morning. But he's saying some powerful things here that, that he has planned our lives and you know, it's not some fatalistic vision of God. Yes, we are responsible for sovereignty of God and human responsibility. We see that tension here in the text so very clearly. But I think this can be most encouraging to us as God's people. Um, because when your future seems uncertain, when things seem chaotic all around you, you know that there's someone still in control, right? Um, as was mentioned, um, um, I was in ministry for 15 years or a little more than 15 years. Now I'm working the electrical trade. Um, of course, there's a story behind that, why I'm not still in ministry full time. But we've had some uh, two experiences predominantly in two different churches. One was a lot more painful than the other experience. And so we had to end ministry and and both those times, we had no idea what the future held. No job to go to. I have five kids, four boys and a little girl. The four boys eat quite a bit. And so I need to, need to provide rather quickly for them because, uh, yeah. And, but knowing this verse has really been powerful. You know, not that we let go and let God and sort of sat back and did nothing. No, we, we were on our knees praying. We were searching for jobs and figuring out what we could do. And it was amazing to see how God provided all along. And knowing that this verse, that every day, according to God's plan, his purposes was written in his book. You know what, it didn't, you know, yeah, there was, of course, times when we worried and of course, there was times when we panicked a little bit, but this verse really at least helped me get through some of these difficult times not knowing what the future held. That his, he has a book. He, he's in control, even when things are... I like what, what uh, Tripp, Paul Tripp points out in one of his books. He says, Does discouragement preach to you a false gospel that can cause you to forget that your future has already been written in the pages of God's book? He says, it is discouraging to face. Yes, yes, we, 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 we face struggle with sin. Uh, I think we all can say amen to that. We struggle with sin still, right? We're, not, we're, we're still on this side of heaven, right? We're still on this side of him coming back. We long for him to come back, but we're not nowhere near perfect if we're honest with ourselves. No one is. No one was perfect except Jesus Christ. 
right? We struggle with sin, disloyalty of a friend, you know, and maybe even during this time, different views of, of what's going on in the world around us have caused a lot of friction in friendships, right? And, and what about rebellion of your children or souring of a marriage or division in the church and the temptations we face, the loss of a job, a death of dreams? It's hard to face these things, isn't it? And it's so easy to lose our way, to become discouraged and wonder, what on earth is God doing? Is God even there? Is he even controlled? Does he even exist? Is he even going to answer my prayer? And all, in all of that, we need to remember the words of these verses. And Paul Tripp points out, he says, if I don't remember, when trouble comes your way and discouragement begins to grip your heart, it's vital to remember that every single day of your life was written to God's book before you lived the first of them. Just think about how encouraging that can be. How encouraging that is. Right? Nothing happens that's not written in his book. Nothing is out of his control. I know we don't understand it all. And there's many times where we're going to be brought to the place where, you know what? God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand where you are in all this, but I'm going to trust you. Because the Bible tells me to. And sometimes that's all we've got, right? Sometimes that's all we can do. And we trust him because the Bible teaches us the truth. God is sovereign. God knows all things. God is always with us. God is sovereign, God is, but not only that, God is, other pages in the scripture tells us, taste and see that God is what? He's good. Even though we don't understand everything, right? We always think we have to understand everything before we will believe. You know what, sometimes, because we oftentimes, we're called to live by faith, not by sight, as Paul says in, I think it's 2 Corinthians. So often, we like to walk by sight. We like to be in control of our lives, control of our circumstances. But you know what? God is. So we walk by faith. And there are times, oh, you know what? Not just times. I think every day we walk by faith. In the good times and in the bad times, we walk by faith. We walk by faith, praising him in the good and in the bad. We praise him, not necessarily knowing what he's doing, but trusting him that it's for his glory and for our good. And that's sometimes all we need to know. And trust him each and every day. So we've learned that God knows all things. We've learned that, that he is everywhere. He is always with us. We've learned that he made us and has planned our lives. And so fourthly, I want to talk this, the rest of this morning about a response. How are we to respond to that? How does David tell us to respond? Now, I think the point that David is trying to make and the psalmist is trying to make here is that we must zealously or joyfully live for him each and every day. Serving him, worshiping him. And I just want to unpack that. Now, J.I. Packer says this, God, whose presence and scrutiny I could evade would be a small and trivial deity. But the true God is great and terrible just because he is always with me and his eye is always upon me. 
He says this, living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient, omnipresent God. Isn't that so true? Well, here the psalmist goes from how precious are your thoughts in verse 17, and, and if I could count them, you know, they'd be more than the sun, and I wake, I'm still with you. He says, he's not dreaming about God. He, he, it's true about what he is. Uh, God is always with him. He's, he's, he's not in some dream that all of a sudden he wakes up and then all those things aren't true. No, he's speaking the truth about God. But verse 19, 19 to 22, talks about, um, I would slay the wicked, O God. And uh, the fact that he hates his enemies. You want to hate those who hate you? No. Well, what is happening here? So while some people say, well, that shouldn't be there. That should be part of another psalm or something. But I don't think so. I, I, I think what it is describing, I think John Stott is right. He says, when a person is full of God... They, uh, they long for the elimination of evil, right? Why? Because what is evil? It's everything in opposition to God, right? That's what evil is. In opposition to God and his worship and his glory. It's against God that these people are, yeah, we want, yeah, we, we, we hate the sin and love the sin and we want, want, want people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's what we want, yes, but we have to understand that one day Jesus, as we sung this morning, is coming back. He's not coming back to die again, right? He did that once. And that was all what was needed. That was, he paid the full penalty for the sin of all those who would believe in him and trust in him. But he's coming back one day as judge, right? He's coming back one day, and, and he will eliminate evil. Now, of course, here in David's day, we don't know what David was exactly facing. We, he could have been facing the Philistines, or could be the end of his life where Absalom, his son, was, was wanting to kill him. We, we, we don't exactly know where this was in David's life when he wrote this. But were his enemies eliminated? No, well, if you keep reading the Bible, the Philistines were still there, right? Enemies of God were still there. Right? But I think this points to a greater David, King Jesus, who will one day come, who, who, who will come one day and judge the world. And all those who are not found in him will be cast, as the Bible says, into hell. And all those who believe in him will go to heaven for eternity. You see, the problem of the, the, the tension that's in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you have God who's sovereign, who's king, who's all of these things that we talked about this morning. He's holy, he's just, but also he's a God of loving compassion, right? Full of grace, love. But what are we as human beings? Sinful. And the tension is, how does a just and holy and loving God deal with a sinful people like you and me? That's why Christmas is so important to celebrate, right? Because God's answer is sending his own son to bear the wrath our sin deserved, we deserved, 
so that our relationship through faith in Jesus Christ can be turned from one of judgment and wrath to one of friendship and love. Isn't that amazing? That's why we celebrate Christmas. And yes, one day, yes, we, we, there's no longer, no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sin has been paid for, those who have put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, yes, about one day, there's still remaining sin here in our lives, and we're still growing in our sanctification every day, putting to death sin. And that's what I think the challenge is here for us, is as we zealously live for him, is that are we fleeing from sin? Are we opposing and hating what God hates in our lives? Are we fleeing sin? Are we putting it to death by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives through the means of grace he's provided? Church, Bible reading, prayer, Christian fellowship, all those different things help us. The Spirit uses to help us grow in our sanctification and our circumstances as well. The difficulties we go through help us grow in Christ And so, yeah, that's fleeing sin. That's what it means to live zealously for God. And one day, King Jesus will come back. And I want to challenge you, for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, flee to him. Only he can save you. There's nothing you can do in of yourself. There's no amount of good works. There's no amount of money you can give to the church. There's no amount of things you can do for your neighbors. Because the Bible says that we are all born dead in sin. And sin is what separates us from God. And our sin, and only by faith, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him, believing him that he died on the cross for your sin, believing that your sin is, asking for forgiveness, and believing that your sin is forgiven, you will have eternal life. Those who, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that those who might believe in him will have eternal life. You can know that eternal life here this morning. Flee to Christ. Only he can save you. But for us as Christians, it's flee sin. Flee sin. Not only that, but I think as we zealously live for him, what this passage tells us is to submit to God's plan for your life. Surrender to God and to his will as it's revealed in the word of God. But as as he has also providentially led you in your life, Submit to his plans. And notice verse, verse 23, it says, search me, O God. Now, of course, he just talked about God knowing everything, right? And know my heart. Well, God knows all things. I think this is an invitation for God to, for, for, it's a surrender. You know what, Lord, you're, you're, you're this great God who knows all things, always with me, who made me, has planned my life. You know what, I surrender to you. Search me, oh God. And it says, try me and know my thoughts. Well, that's, that's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? Try me and know my thoughts. His desire is to be fully conformed to the will of God in his life. So yeah, there might be some trying going on. (laughs) Because oftentimes that's the way sin gets defeated in our lives and that's often the way we as Christians get woken up, right, to sin in our lives. Often, not always. 
And we have to recognize again, the greater David came. He lived that perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins so that, so that this, we can pray this knowing that God is for us and not against us, right? That we can pray this, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there are any grievous way in me. Of course there will be, right? David was, knew that as well. But notice we need help from God. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me on to eternity. That begins by knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and it means also by, as Christians, growing in him day by day, conforming to his image and following his plans and purposes for your life. And so as we close one chapter of 2021 and enter a new one next Sunday, maybe this is a prayer that we need to think about and ask ourselves and pray about. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in this way. Are you, have, is your life surrendered to him? That's the challenge, I think, of this chapter. Follow his plan for this life. Knowing that he is sovereign, he is good. He alone is worthy to be praised and followed and worshipped so that we can make much of him next year, more than last year. Make much of him and see God work and see by faith every day, walk by faith and not by sight. Will you join me in that this year, this endeavor this coming year? Walk by faith, trusting him, living zealously for him, knowing our God is great, knowing he is good, knowing he is always, knows all things. He is with us and that he is sovereignly working out his plans and purposes for our church, for our lives. Will we trust him? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We praise you again for just your grace and your goodness in our lives. Lord, we know that you alone are worthy of all praise and glory and majesty. And Lord, I know we can't make much of you as much as we should because we are finite and you are infinite. But Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for not just leaving us to ourselves and to our sinful selves and judging us for our sin in hell, but Lord God, that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sin. And we just praise you, Lord God, that we can have that relationship with the Heavenly Father, one of love and joy and peace. And I just pray that we will go from here rejoicing in you, because you are more than able. You are good. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.